Welcome to the Global Workplace, Diversity, Equality, Opportunity. Your host is Alma Besserton, the founder and director of Wimmigrants of Australia. In our program, we will showcase the global organizations who are making a difference worldwide for skilled migrants, as well as focus on some challenges the migrants face with diversity and inclusion. Now, here is your host, Alma Besserton. Greetings, Voice America listeners, and thank you for tuning into the Global Workplace Radio Show. Today's session is very exciting. It's about women in cybersecurity. And I'm so excited to have Magda Lilia Celli as my guest. Let me explain a little bit about who is Magda. Magda Lilia Celli is the Managing Director of Responsible Cyber, founding of a diversity platform, Woman in Cyber, brand ambassador and a technical contributor for Peerlist, one of the strongest InfoSec online communities. She supports organizations in their cybersecurity strategy, reviews technical architectures, cloud migrations, and digital transformations. She's continually rising cybersecurity awareness and diversity globally. She works in partnership with the world's largest cyber security online learning platform, Cybery, offering cybersecurity corporate training. Magda is based in Singapore. Her company has a global reach and she speaks five languages fluently. She has PhD in telecommunication engineering, specializing in cybersecurity. In 2017, she was nominated as a Global Leader of the Year at the Women in IT Awards. She's amongst the top 50 cybersecurity influencers globally. Magda is a certified security professional, CICCP, and a trainer with Singapore Business Federation. Oh my God, what amazing lady. Magda, welcome to the Global Workplace Radio Show today. Hello, Alma. Good morning or good evening to whoever is listening to us from all over the world. What an introduction. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. You're actually, I couldn't squeeze um, as, as many things about you. The list actually goes on and on and on because you are so impressive and you've done so much in, in your space. I'm really, really impressed. Thank you very much. So, good morning to you, Magda. You're in Singapore. It's about 8 o'clock. I'm in Australia, Melbourne, and it's about 11 a.m. And I believe uh, in U.S. is about 4 p.m. Pacific time and probably 7 p.m. in New York. So, good day, good evening, uh, as you say, Magda, to everyone, wherever they are. And um, you have a very interesting background. I think this is going to be an interesting conversation because both of us have a bit of accent. So, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> My accent, I think, changes over the different countries where I live. <laughs> I, I can relate to that. And so, you were born in Poland and raised in Tunisia. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, so absolutely. I was born in Poland, Krakow, which is a beautiful city, which I like to make a little bit talk a little bit more about that beautiful and amazing uh, country which is Poland and that 
city. Mm. Uh, and then I mm. moved when I was six, so I didn't have much choice. My parents moved to Tunisia, and then I moved them with them. Of course. And you speak five languages. What languages do you speak, apart, obviously, from Poland and English? So, Polish English, and English. Polish, French, um, Italian, and Arabic. Oh my goodness me, Arabic out of all, it's probably one of the hardest languages. So you define yourself as a world citizen and I understand now why, uh, speaking five languages and being born in Poland and raised in Tunisia and now you're working uh, from Singapore but basically you have a global reach as your company. And uh, you said that you had opportunity to meet and continue to meet amazing people all over the world. Cybersecurity is your passion and what seems maybe strange for some is a great thing to do for you. Tell us where did the passion out of everything for cybersecurity come from? Uh, honestly, um, uh, it started very early when I was in my, already in my 15, I was playing with a computer. There was a time when I had my first computer. And to be honest, at the beginning, it was just a discovery phase, and I was trying to understand how the machine works, what I can do about it, what is really the Internet. So it was really funny because it was so much time ago. Um, then yeah. it evolved at around 18 and 20 years old where I started to discover what means really getting access to, let's say, um, different platforms which you suppose not to. So I was really playing around and I discovered that it's really an exciting domain to, uh, and that is allowing you to discover and learn every day. So I did not continue my passion immediately at 18 and 19. We need to make, uh, we'll say, a small comment about cybersecurity in general that at that time, many years ago, cybersecurity mm. wasn't so well known. So... And there were there was no job description mentioning cybersecurity. Most of the time, there was you know CRM engineers, there were IT engineers. Uh, there was different kind of roles that companies were searching for. After a mm. while, uh, being in IT consultancy, I had exposure as well to security. However, again, I decided that I want to do something else because my focus within my my initial roles was not in cybersecurity or information security. So after mm. being in positions in business, I decided, oh, but I'm still missing that technical part. I have a PhD, as you mentioned, and I, um, I wasn't using my technical knowledge. So I decided, what should I do? I should come back to what I really like to do, and basically it's cybersecurity. And with cybersecurity, it never ends. So it's not only about the passion. We learn every single day. There's mm. a new, I would say, I wouldn't say virus or malware, but there's a new thing that comes up every yes. day that needs to figure out how to protect the company, how to make sure that actually users are self-aware of the threats, etc. So it's a very wide domain itself, and everyone working within cybersecurity has a specific expertise or maybe a more managerial role around risk management. So, yeah, that mm. is the reason why I decided that I am definitely going into cybersecurity and continuing there, continuing there in my career. 
Yes, well, we'll talk about uh, just a little bit later because I think you're right. Cybersecurity is one of these things when, you know, these these um, uh, strange things start happening in IT world, but we couldn't actually language it, isn't it? We couldn't say this is a cybersecurity because we just didn't know what the language to use and we just couldn't describe. And uh, this whole field is now evolving. It's probably the last, probably... Is it five, six years that really is starting to be known as a as a particular field, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I read a lot about you, Magda, um, and uh, I think 40 minutes is not enough to describe uh, what you have been doing and your interests and, and your technical knowledge. So, but I've, I've read an interview that you've done last year and you said this, it's a struggle most women know well, how to start a business and how to be successful. Trying on numerous approaches and strategies, maybe countries and not liking it because you are always compared or taken for a lady. Tell us more about that because clearly cybersecurity is very male dominant industry. So. Tell us this approach, you know, why, why are you compared as a lady and why you are compared and, and how did you overcome this? Um, I think in 2017, unfortunately, around the world, women are still facing a lot of challenges in terms of being really treated equally as a professional. And that comes and is different from one country to another, from one culture to another. However we are still having a lot of points that we need to work on. In particular, this one. So um, from my personal experience, one of the hardest things that I had to deal with at the beginning of my career was actually to be taken seriously as a professional that who is in a technical field, and I'm talking about IT consultancy in general or security in particular. I think the main reason or the two main reasons here were age and gender. So first of all, sometimes when you enter a meeting room and you are the youngest person, you might actually bring in this uh, perception that you don't know enough. And then, of course, comes in the fact that people are not used to see women in this technical field. So they think that you're probably there as a sales representative, and it happened to me a lot of times, this unconscious bias that leads people to assume things, assume that um, a woman entering a technical meeting should actually come with a technical person, that she is representing only the business development side or the sales side. So, And mm. then, of course, again, coming back to the age factor, it sometimes can be as well, a challenge, and this is related like to different managerial as, as well challenges that managers all over the world face in depending on their own careers. So we have several things that we need to work on as women, but especially the fact that there are these unconscious biases that the first seven seconds with them a meeting, with them the first, um, I would say, contact with the customer, with the technical person, you need to grab the attention of the person towards the knowledge that you have and expertise to gain the trust and then change this perception or this first, um, I would say, thought 
assumption that the person would have towards something that is not very common. That's a, such an interesting point uh, because throughout my career you just uh, reminded me of uh, a very talented lady in one of the uh, first hundred uh, consulting here in Australia, obviously it's a global firm, and when I was in my corporate uh, role in, in one of the largest telecommunications here in Australia, um, she was only uh, 26 and she was already uh, with a master's and starting her PhD and so on. And she, she was actually telling me as a client exactly the same issue as you were telling me now that she was a woman. Uh, she was the young, and every time she comes in uh, with a partner, they think, you know, she will just take a note or something like that. And um, it's it's a very interesting challenge. And uh, I, I, I used to joke with her and say, maybe you need a little bit of makeup to look older, which is actually not funny because it's, it's, um, it's a real challenge for the younger generation, in particular when they are that young, as obviously you were at the time, and plus they are already reaching uh, that sort of level, because I think these generations, younger generations now, we have uh, young uh, women and men who are 26, 27 already doing PhD, and I think that perception, I'm hoping, will start changing with the substance of their knowledge and the backgrounds that they bring. and. It's it's very interesting. So, um, so so you basically uh, what you're suggesting. What I'm hearing here is that even Magda, if if you are young as a woman, what you're suggesting uh, start talking to them in their technical terms and knowledge, and eventually you will overcome that challenge of being uh, uh, seen as as too young or as as a woman in a technical field, which is obviously still dominated by the men. You need to gain as a woman or as any person who is speaking and talking about his own or her own expertise, the respect of your audience. So the moment that you're actually addressing a challenge or a point that is or feels really relevant, you will gain that respect. The other mm. part is, and this related to the same, is the fact, for example, that when a woman is in a meeting room and she let's say, aboard a new idea and want to talk about this new idea, if you look at the statistics, you find out that there is no uh, endorsement of an idea that is mentioned within a meeting by a woman immediately. There is an endorsement that happens for an idea that comes from a man. These are statistics that have been really looked at and analyzed. And that means that one of the very interesting strategies that I read about and I applied is trying to find and have someone within that meeting room that will have an idea about what your point is as a woman, what your idea is, and immediately when you mention your point of view within the meeting to have that person endorse it and say, yes, for example, Magda, it's a brilliant idea to make sure that everyone recognizes that it comes from you as a woman and not from someone else. Um, it was a very interesting, actually, fact that I, and strategy that I applied and really works. If, mm. if you come in and you just mention something, sometimes, especially if you don't have a loud voice, it might just get ignored. And it's, again, it's 
it happens because that's human nature and our unconscious biases within a lot of societies. Um, not, I'm not saying that everyone is doing that on purpose. I'm saying this are the way that things happen. So when I applied that, I was very, very nicely surprised. And of course, I always loathe about that, the other fact that I speak loud enough so people hear me <laughs> because mm. I have mixed origins. So the way that I express myself is sometimes different as well from certain cultures where they are talking more in a quietly way or express themselves more in a in a moderate tone rather than myself. I come and I lived in different countries where it's it's okay to speak loud. It doesn't mean that you're actually being aggressive. And that's another point that I would like to address a little bit further is one thing that is very common is a man trying very hard and being aggressive is perceived as a leader. A woman who is trying to really be pushy and I would say aggressive in her techniques or in her way of dealing is not perceived as a leader. She's just perceived as too aggressive and she shouldn't not be. Mm. And this is also something that the whole society needs to work on. Um, that, that is a very interesting point and uh, we, we will take a, a break shortly but when we come back I just would like to touch back on that because I think that is a very uh, interesting point and, and I believe that um, it's the culture change that organizations would need to embrace from the top down Magda, uh, from the CEO through the whole leadership team in particular if it's a male dominant uh, men will need to sponsor uh, women like yourself and myself and other women who are a bit louder uh, or have different behaviors or the same behaviors as men and uh, how they're actually perceived as also being uh, contributing to the organization and not have the conscious bias just because we are women. So. We will take a break shortly, and uh, when we come back, we will continue on that uh, topic because it's a very interesting one. Thanks very much, Magda. And we'll be back sure. shortly. Stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Immigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit Wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's Wimmigrants.com.au. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call into our toll-free lines in North America, 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to alma at wimmigrants.com.au. Now, back to the Global Workplace. Thank you very much for joining us back. You're listening to the Global Workplace uh, radio show. And today, my guest is Magda Lilia Celli, the Managing Director of Responsible Cyber. And if you missed the first part, uh, we were just talking before uh, we had a short break. We were talking about the fact is that uh, when women um, have the same behavior, uh, being really passionate and uh, vocal about their ideas, they are not understood the same way or perceived the same way as men. And um, Magda, I, I have to relate to that because I've been in Australia for nearly 27 years and like you, I'm European and I'm very open and I'm very direct. I'm a former lawyer and uh, I... Um, I, I, when I have ideas, I'm very passionate about that. And uh, at the beginning of my career here in Australia, I was misunderstood with my passion for aggression even. And I couldn't understand that. Um, and it seems to me you observe that similar challenge across other countries. And uh, how do we help other women like in that position where... They are new to country because obviously you need to adjust when you are new, whether wherever you go. Um, Singapore is di- different culture and Asia culture is different to Australia and US is very different to Australia. How do we help other women to understand how they can actually um, be positioned around the table as a senior leaders and not to be misunderstood uh, their passion for aggression and how do we what what advice do we give them to um, to be actually represented equally at the table at the senior level? First of all, Alma, I think there is a general aspect that is related to understand the culture where you live in. Uh, and it's not gender related. We need to really make the effort to integrate and understand the views of the community that we are coming in. I have seen a lot of um, companies, leaders, um, getting or developing the activities in other cultures and trying to do it their own ways as they have done it at, in their hometown, which does not work most of the time because the culture are, cultures are different and people react differently. They have different customs, they have different views, they have different ways of living and accepting any services or products. So there is an important phase which actually is related to understand the culture, what is really allowed, what's not allowed, what is said, what is not said. Because in many cultures as well, we have this part that we need to discover by ourselves. It's only through integration and uh, discussion with local people that you can achieve that, not by just reading what is written in the books. The reality or what we read in articles over internet might be sometimes very far away from the real and practical approach that you might have with uh, the people within a certain culture. So the other part, which is the second approach, is related to understand 
how women have their own position and can be respected within that, that culture. So I don't think I have all the answers for all the questions. Because I like to say, if I had the answer to that, I would have, I would say, a Fortune 500 company. <laughs> but responsible <laughs> cyber is not yet there. Hopefully, moving and growing, and I'm very happy of what we're doing. However, I'm mm. learning as well every day. I'm learning how to be respected in an environment where no one knows you. And this is, again, it's not totally related to gender. It's more difficult as a woman, for sure, especially mm. for some cultures where they are not used to see women in leadership positions. Or I would say it even more, a little bit controversial, where they are not used to see women giving orders because that's part of her job. And I'm being here on purpose a little bit pushing it and saying giving orders because that's really what it comes from. Sometimes when you are in a leadership position, you give directions. You present something that needs to be done and steps that need to be followed by your team. And unfortunately, in some cultures, the way that you present, if you present it very directly, might actually not be accepted at all. And therefore, this is where understanding the culture is important. For my part, some some of the experiences did not really work very well, and then I needed to change completely the approach. What I actually did as well in this kind of situations where I know, and I will not mention which particular culture is it, uh, because I do not want to create more unconscious biases, but what I did is I tried to find um, a counterparty or a male manager that actually would help me to handle the situation and make sure that he endorsed my views and he is seen within that particular culture as the leader. And therefore, I had less challenges to make sure that my direct directives are followed. So there are strategies like this that I will take and put in place uh, to make sure that the company moves forward, that I am, as a person or as a leader, not a, an obstacle for my own growth. So, um, again, we won't change the word immediately, or I won't change it overnight. We, we have been in this battle for equality for so many years, and we still did not win it. We still have a lot of challenges as women in 2017. So how to overcome it is something that it's still ongoing. And the strategies that I have applied, again, the ones that have worked is, the first point, understand the culture where you live. What's the perception? What is the actually, um, I would say, the, the white communication that you need to take on board to make sure that you are well seen and respected as a professional. And then the second I'm, part is, yes? So, sorry, go on, yes. And I mean, again, the second part is more to um, to build a strategy and know how to not be your own obstacle of growth. So it sometimes just doesn't work because of the history of the team or because of other environment trying to make it work through in different ways. So like I did, for example, I bring in a certain manager um, profile that will endorse my directives and he will lead that particular team. 
I think it's about uh, also, I mean, as I said, I've been in Australia for, for nearly 27 years and uh, I've learned a lot and I've adjusted. And I think it's about um, understanding your environment is the key. And even when I work now with my clients who come all over the world in Australia or uh, if they want to go somewhere else, it's the key is about actually understanding your environment, understanding the way the things are done and work with it. Uh, because once I've understood that uh, in a first uh, a year or so of me coming to Australia and, uh, and being really uh, uh, very useful to my team, to my managers and so on, my career really boomed. Um, because I think in, in general, uh, organizations will give you opportunity if they realize that you are great, great as, a, as a team player and you actually work with the culture. Because at the end of the day, each organization also has a different cultures that you need to adjust. So it's, it's a very interesting topic. There is another thing I would like to ask you, Magda. On the same interview, you said um, that... Uh, Change is the only thing that is a permanent, and for women, it's still a way to go. For nine years, you studied and tried to achieve what you thought would be the door to your success, and you did not realize that success is a continuous work of self-improvement. And um, in fact, you're beginning the new big gig uh, this year, which was last year. So can you tell us a little bit and give us a hint, what was that secret all about? So I'm, uh, uh, unfortunately, I cannot say a lot about the new startup that I'm building. I can say that it's definitely a new startup that is around cybersecurity, as cybersecurity saves my real passion. But what I can say about the changes in the way that I see the world is that, first of all, I did not come from a family of entrepreneurs. I came from a family of people working for big companies, which is very much different. So as an entrepreneur, your life changes. You, the mm. way that you see the world changes, and you need constantly to learn and constantly to improve, to be in the market and to actually be able to provide the right service to the right audience. You cannot sell something that is actually not required or people do not want to buy the service or the product. This is something that is obvious or might seem obvious. However... We see a lot of failure of startups due to this fact. They come up with a great idea. However, either the idea does not fit the audience and the market, or either they sell to actually make a sustainable business, which actually is related to one of the main challenges of actually 80% of startup failure, which is related to cash flow. Mm. This is an interesting um observation uh, which um, which I came across it says that um, according to a several recent reports the majority of IT professionals say their cybersecurity workforce isn't good enough and human error is the leading cause of cyber incidents can you tell us a little bit uh, why is that uh, in terms of the workforce that the workforce is, is not good enough? Is it a technical experience and, uh, and also what are the human errors um, that are leading cause of cyber incidents? I mean, the, the workforce um, conclusion that we have nowadays is something that was predictable. Again, coming back from what I mentioned at the beginning, we did not have the word cybersecurity before. Uh, we had 
information security, which is something that I had within my studies, which means that the whole situation evolved, and nowadays we are using cybersecurity, and the companies are using cybersecurity to include a lot of things. So I like to say that the word is used a little bit more from the marketing side than from the reality, because cybersecurity is very wide again, and it contains a lot, a lot of domains and different expertise. Then when it comes to the lack of workforce, again, it's related to the fact that previously we did not have specializations in cybersecurity, and as everything that has been built previously and coming back to the Internet itself, the main functionality was not related to security. The main functionality or goal of the Internet was to provide you the comfort of finding information immediately and sharing it all over the world. And that's where every new product for many years have been built to make our lives more comfortable and not at all to make our lives more secure. That came in afterwards. So the more we go into digitalization and the more we go into a virtual world, the more security needs to become a part of it, as, for example, like the same for closing the door of your house, that actually is something that the key, for example, was invented as well. It wasn't something that was there from the beginning of the world. Mm. So for security and cybersecurity in particular is the same. The lack of workforce is due to this evolution and as well as the fact that nowadays cybersecurity becomes a priority. However, we cannot also uh, like be uh, so demanding in terms of finding everyone who is expert in cybersecurity and knows everything about every domain within the cybersecurity because that will be complete, the completely wrong approach. We need to understand the whole domains. We need to understand the holistic picture and the overview and then find exactly what as an enterprise product or service we require in terms of cybersecurity control, and therefore find the right person. And if you are not mm. able to find the right person, find a way to train them uh, yes. in alignment with our requirements. Magda, I, uh, I came across uh, uh, 2017, well, going back to a, a women topic again in this field, the uh, 2017 Global Information Security Workforce Study says that... Um, women comprise only 11% of the total information security workforce, and yet it was reported that in most cases women have a higher level of education than men. Um, is this the reason why you funded uh, Women in Cyber platform? Absolutely. Women in Cyber is a platform that allows women to share their own ideas, to read about other women's success and challenges. I like to feature women in cybersecurity on the platform uh, and celebrate their, own, their successes. I think it's very important. We do not do it enough. When a man achieves something, he has all, you know, the clique of friends going from beers and having really a lot of fun. We women do not do it enough. So I decided mm -hmm. to really build the platform to celebrate women's success, to make sure that they have the right... Uh, support from other women that they've seen for what they have done, that they share and help other and mentor other women so they can 
overcome the challenges that we all have been through or still going through. And the other if, part of the 11% of women in cyber is actually a number that's important to bring in again because that number didn't change for many years. Particular three years did not evolve. And I had a lot of debates on social media around this topic where I had a feedback from male professionals saying that this is the reason uh, why we have the numbers so low is because women do not want to go into cybersecurity. And this is something that I really take personally. I don't think that anyone can decide in the name of a woman if she wants or not to go into cybersecurity. I think there are a lot of factors related to how we educate women, what we give them as opportunities when they are very young, and are we encouraging them to go in the technical field, but also the way that we in, include them, weave them the technical ecosystem from their high school to later their first professional experience. Because if a woman finds that herself not included with um, the first year or two being as a technical professional, then she will mostly change and go into another role. Mm. That is very interesting. We will take a, a short break again, and uh, when we come back, uh, there is, uh, uh, I've got a few more questions in relation to this report, and yes, I've also... Uh, read in that report for the last three years, these uh, these um, figures have not changed at all. Whilst actually a number of participants on the report changed, but the figures haven't changed. So we'll take a break now, and um, when we return, we'll hear more uh, on the topic um, uh, women in cybersecurity. And uh, for international listeners, if you have any questions for Magda, uh, or myself, please dial us on 001-480-398-3352. You're listening to Global Workplace. We'll be back shortly. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Immigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit Wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's Wimmigrants.com.au. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call into our toll-free lines in North America, 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to alma at wimmigrants.com.au. Now, back to the global workplace. Welcome back, uh, everyone at Voice America listeners. Uh, you are listening to the Global Workplace Radio Show. Today, the session is about women and cybersecurity. And during the break, I was talking to Magda, and I was saying to her that this topic is uh, such an interesting topic that we could easily spend a couple of hours in talking. So, unfortunately, we don't have a couple of hours. We have... Um, Uh, 10-15 minutes left and uh, before the break we were talking about the 2017 Global Information Security Workforce Study which says that 11% of the total information security workforce is only comprised with uh, women and this number hasn't changed in the last three years. Magda, the same report I've also read that indicates that 51% of women surveyed in this field indicates that they have experienced some level of discrimination. Why do you think women experience discrimination in in technical field? I think here we have several points um, that I will not be able to address as a general. Sometimes, and I really would like to bring it down, sometimes this is brought up as really only negative. I would like to say there's a lot of it happening due to unconscious biases. So when a discrimination happens, sometimes unconsciously, sometimes consciously, um, it is not every time due to the fact that the person that is choosing, for example, a profile is really doing that with bad intention. Sometimes, again, and I'm really want, I really want to say that now, sometimes it's due to the unconscious biases. And what mm. I mean by that is, as I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, people are not used to. So let's say you are in a hiring position and you receive like thousands of profiles, but within the thousands of profiles of technical people, you receive only three women. It happens. They are numbers, and I have seen them, and I have talked about this topic in particular with my hiring managers. Mm. So out of that situation, the unconscious bias will make the person choose maybe a male rather than a female because they will think that, oh, but they are used to seeing many more males in this technical role than female. So for them, it's like kind of natural uh, progression. Which, again, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that it might be not 
and bad intention, however it happens. So there are ways to deal with this kind of uh, unconscious biases, and one of them is making sure that the HR have a very strict recruitment policies um, where actually they handle the profiles without any information about the person as such, but only information about the skills and professional experience, uh, which actually is a common uh, practice, if I'm not wrong, in the States. This is not something that is taken in consideration in all the countries. In other countries, we require to have the picture on the CV, we require to have the, uh, the, the name, of course, the gender, the age even, the marital status, etc., etc. So it really it depends on the country and where you are. Uh, but I think, again, one of the successful uh, strategies from the big companies is to make sure that the HR has a, has a complete non-biased approach to recruitment is to make sure that they receive completely um, an, like profiles without any personal details of the applicant. There's, um, there is a, a huge movement here in Australia, and I'm not sure whether you've heard about where the CEO, uh, CEOs of uh, a lot of companies are actually now refusing to be speakers unless half of the speakers in event are women. So uh, I think that uh, that is a, such a great initiative because given this is the, uh, you know, in particular in, in IT world, um, it's a male dominant uh, uh, field, if you like, uh, I, I believe the the way this will change is not just through the HR policies, but with actually walking the talk by the male colleagues and the male CEOs and the male uh, um, IT uh, experts, which will actually advocate other women and recruit other women in their teams. W would you think that that will be the correct statement? I think, Alma, in general, the way of how people are trying to change the situation and sometimes force it with a certain, you know, participation rate, a certain uh, presence and engagement rate, like we need to have 50% women in an event. Uh, it's good and it's bad. It depends on actually the reality. It definitely has to have more diversity. But what we want as a woman is being perceived for what we are and we are capable of not because we are selling in a number. And that's a sign yeah. that's very important. And it's something that women might actually face and it might come back as a challenge because they might be perceived as being there not for their own skills, but just because it should be this way. So we have really yes. a, a, a challenge here to work out a strategy that brings the balance between enforcing some aspects and making sure that they are actually in advantage for the equality yes. and the right of the, the equal opportunities for women and men. Yes, um, I, I would I would agree with that. Um, I came across the book written by Jane Franklin, "Why a Failure to Attract and Retain Women in Cybersecurity is Making Us All Less Safe." In her book, she says that um, women are fundamentally different to men and um, when it comes to cybersecurity, one thing is certain. If you are short on women, you are less safe. And when I read this and read through the book, 
it really made me uh, think of the movie The Heat where Sandra Block is an FBI agent and uh, she picks all these scams that other male agents miss, even the little details. So, um, Magda, what's about women that make us uh, essential in security and, and what is that they pick up in this field that then may, uh, may, may miss? So, first of all, I would like to uh, say hello to Jane. Jane is a friend of mine, and I uh, send her all my greetings. She is absolutely amazing, and she has as well a passion in cybersecurity where she helps a lot of women and men to increase their brand uh, image in the field. So, said that, her point is actually very valid. Um, my point of view is similar to to her conclusion, and it's related to, in general, our community. The word is made by women and men. It's not like our community or societies are not only male. They are male and female. So that means that if you need to really build the protection of your company in a realistic way and make sure that you have different approach and different views of the risk, you need actually to have a part of the society that is represented within your team. You cannot count on only one point of view or one side of the experiences. You need to have people bringing up to you their different views from their different perspectives. And this is what I think that Jane really uh, makes her point where she says that if you do not have women, you are less safe. Of course, that means that if you do not have this different perspective, then you are not actually having the right overview of your risk and therefore you cannot address them properly. Sure. Um, in, in the same report, and, and this report, um, the 2017 Global Information Security Workforce Study Women and Cybersecurity, it's a really big report and it has so much interesting data. and. You know, I love data because um, data tells you the story and paint the picture, isn't it? And um, there was something very intriguing, given that I'm all about diversity and, and uh, uh, inclusion and uh, creating the strategy where organizations can uh, have diverse workforce. And this report says that there was something really intriguing for me is that in North America, women comprise 14% of the cybersecurity workforce which is the highest regional concentration in the world. And um, I was really curious, why, why is that? Why is that culturally uh, different? Um, it's very interesting because I have noticed that without even having the numbers. So I noticed that in the States, uh, I had the opportunity to work with more women in cybersecurity rather than other countries. Um, why is this, or what are the factors that lead to this situation? I think one that is very important, and I mentioned previously, is the recruitment factor. So the right. recruitment strategies in the States are pushed by big companies to become completely anonymous, and that helps, I think, fight unconscious biases. The other part, which is as well important, is the fact that we cannot focus on the on one culture in one country. The word is different cultures, different countries, and some cultures are still very far away from that equality and balance between women and men. 
we cannot deny it. Because I, I had the same, some debates on social media where I had feedback from professionals, male professionals saying, but there is no problem. I have been working and all my female colleagues are perfectly fine. There's absolutely no challenges. My reply to that was, yeah, maybe in your environment, in your ecosystem, in your company, but the world is not only one country, one culture. The world is made by different and an important number of people living differently with different beliefs and different way of taking or approaching women or having a different perception of what women should do and should not do. And still, it's not the same all over. So, and mm. the balance is still not achieved. And I'm not talking in particular of, for example, and I want to also put that in because it's important. I'm not talking about countries in particular in Africa or in, Middle, in the Middle East. I can talk also in countries in Europe where that balance is not yet achieved. So mm. We need also to work on the unconscious bias of thinking that in one specific country it is not favorable for women uh, comparing mm. to another country like, for example, in Europe, being and lived being uh, had the opportunity to live in different countries, which are actually five from different continents. Mm. I can tell you that, for example, I had an amazing experience in the Middle East in terms of respect and uh, respecting in general professional women. I also worked with local women that were on a very high positions with um, companies. Uh, Magda, so, sorry, sorry, yeah. I have to interrupt you. We have uh, just a couple of minutes left. Um, so, and, and sure. as I said, this this topic is uh, something that we can talk for a very long time. Uh, just really in two seconds, if anyone would like to reach you to to get involved uh, with your uh, cyber security and also in your blogs, uh, what's the best way to do it? Uh, basically, I, the first thing would be to find me on LinkedIn and send me a note. I'm happy to add them on my LinkedIn. And then the second one is to go to our friend Google and ask for woman as one woman, woman in cyber. And the blog will be the first result on the Google search. Thank you so much. Um, that was uh, Magda Lilia Celli at the Work Global Workplace Radio Show. I am Alma Bestedin, and uh, until next time, um, have a fabulous week ahead and stay healthy, happy, and safe. Magda, thank you so much uh, for the interview today. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you very much, Alma, as well, for the invitation. It was an honor and a pleasure to be online. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Please join Alma Besserton for another edition of the Global Workplace next Tuesday at 4 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week.